0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Work For It podcast on the Makery Network. I'm Brian House.
1: And I'm Ben Butler. And together we represent the two most important components
0: of the maker world. I work the steel. And I work the wood. The show's primary focus is business in the workshop. And then we reach out to you on social media with a question every week.
1: We read your answers and then discuss them on the show.
0: Follow our show on any major podcast platform and on Instagram at workforit.podcast. Or you can support us for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com forward slash workforit. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, it's Brian House here for the Work For It Podcast. I am joined, as always, with Benjamin Butler. How you doing, Mister Big Ben?
1: I am doing well. I'm doing very well. How about yourself?
0: Well, you know, it's uh, been a busy week so far, and How about uh, it? we have. Uh, have you ever heard the expression 10 pounds of shit in a five pound sack"?
1: That usually follows uh, in Webster the the definition of my shop. the benjamin butler company workshop
0: (laughs) the first time i heard it i was in a bar with a buddy of mine his name was dan this was like 20 plus years ago and we were um he was one of the funniest guys i knew still know him he's a great guy worked with him at the tv station and um he we would be sitting at the bar having a cocktail and you know maybe a a, a nice uh, girl would walk in the door or whatever, but you know with too tight of uh, pants on or something, and he would <laughs> he would make reference to the ten pounds of shit in a five pound sack. He was you know he's an older guy, so he had a, all kinds of nice, like little uh, euphemisms and um, sure, yeah, and he had this I really love- funny way whenever he would make a mistake. This is the kind of guy he was. This is the kind of guy I aspire to be, by the way. Right. So whenever he made a mistake, he had a card in his pocket that had just the picture of a donkey on it and it said I'm sorry. <laughs> that's it. So like that's his that was his way of apologizing. <laughs> right, there it was his
1: card. <laughs> and then in he my, my head every time card. he would
0: hit hand- yeah. Every time he would hand it to me, I would hear that. In my head. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I messed I'm up. Sorry. Oh, well, I used to work yep. with
1: a guy. This was way back in high school. I, I was a greenskeeper at a local country club. Um, I would mow greens all day or, you know, mow greens and roughs and weed whack. Did
0: and, you have like little scissors where you get down your <laughs> hands and knees and like trim around <laughs> no. the top and everything like that?
1: It was surprisingly fun. It was just a small, um, a small golf course. Nine holes was all just a, but back in the heyday, uh, of the powdered metal industry, when there was a bunch of money in the town, it was the fucking place, man. You know, it was, yeah. You, you were nobody unless you were a member of the country club, you know, and then that's right. um, another golf course opened in town about the time I was about the time I was in high school is when it opened, I think. But I had sort of a family friend connection at the country club. So I'd mow, mow all day and then I'd go up and bartend at night. And uh, the bar had sort of an honor policy because everybody was a member, right? And so members okay. could come in to the downstairs bar and you could grab a six-pack or, you know, shot in a beer and just write it down. It'd go on your on your number and you'd get it in your bill every month, right? Well, this old dude Huntsy was his name. And he, he would just come in like two days a week and mow roughs. So he would mow all the ruff. And he had a big gang mower with about sixteen of those real mowers on the back of it, you know, a brand new Kubota tractor. And he was loving life. But he would he'd I'd I'd come up over the hill when I'd get done mowing the greens and I'd see his tractor parked out by the clubhouse, you know, about eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I thought he was taking I know where a this shit. Is going. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was taking a shit. So one day I went in. I was like, oh, I got to take a leak. I'll go in and see what Huntsy's doing. I go in and he's got three shots lined up on
0: the bar. <laughs> 8 a.m. He's
1: just down in shots at 8 a.m. And he's like, you wouldn't believe it. They trust all these dumb fuckers to write everything down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he, he, he knew nobody was going to, you know, was nobody was going to question because everybody was on the honor policy. So why couldn't he be too? And he'd just be dishonorable.
0: <laughs> oh my god. There's a but, there's a bar like that in the BVI, in a small little oh island. Really? It's called A, yeah, it's, it, it's you basically pull your boat up to a dock and and you uh w- walk up this long pier into this place. It's called Abe's by the Sea. Uh-huh. And it's literally right there. I mean, you're right on the Caribbean. Yep. And uh there's a, you know, a handful of gals in there cooking, doing whatever. And there's yeah. a bar. Right. And it's a mm-hmm. yeah, you can imagine like low ceiling building all wood, you know, painted yeah. in bright island colors, yellow, green, red, you know, the whole deal. Turquoise, lots of turquoise. Yep. And then the bar is all hardwood like teak, you know, nice. and, and varnished. But it's got a nice feel behind yeah. that bar. There's no one. There is not a man <laughs> or woman, nobody. And, and it says, nice. you know, write down what you drank. This can yep. be very dangerous. Ooh, it's like right. it's like a um, they know you're gonna spend money. So like when you're down in the islands, alcohol is very cheap. Still, right? They like, do. And and it yeah. spirits are very inexpensive down in the islands because they, they yeah. produce a lot of sugar cane, they make a lot sure. of alcohol there. It's very easy. Rum So yeah, rum is a real you know, I drink a lot of rum when I'm down there. So the yep. you know, I I was uh pouring drinks for myself and my father-in-law and there's photo, photos out on Facebook of me like just completely <laughs> cross-eyed after a night at this place but no. uh it's a it, yeah open bar is like it's it's oh. great until it's not great you know no it's, I would imagine yeah. there's you could do it as much as possible but uh wait yeah. hey listen so uh we are doing a continuance of last week's yes, uh, we are. Uh, Speaking uh show of old because men. we were. Yeah, speaking of old man and old men and um, we <laughs> had, we got, yeah, wisdom. You know, it, it's interesting to listen and read about all of the experiences people have had uh, with their fathers. You know, I think right. there's a commonality here that uh, if you work with your hands and do the work that we do, which a lot of our audience does as well, which is very tactile work, you know, building, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I it's interesting to hear the stories about the path that it the that career path took, and it's most likely directly related to their father. You know, because right. their dad was the same kind of guy. You know, we <clears throat> yeah. all tend to kind of follow those same paths. There's very few people who are deviating away. It's like, oh, my dad was a carpenter, and now I'm a doctor. You know, it's, right? It's, it's you tend to yeah. kind of go with what you know.
1: Have you ever heard the term or the the, the phrase uh, Schecker, like to Shecker, If you're a Schecker, no. uh, kind of like shuker, Putzing. I've heard of
0: Shecker. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah.
1: So it's kind of like Putzing, and I, I don't know if it, if it's kind of a German term or just a, a, a family term or a ta- a term from kind of you know back where I grew up, but. My my mom always used to say that, you know, that you're just a checker, <laughs> And even my my grandma would say that. My nana would say that too, you know, you're you're just checkering. And it was kind of just, you know, what I do every morning. I come out to the shop and I don't really have a game plan most days. There are days when I'm in a project and I'm rolling, but there's other days where I'm just coming out here and I'm farting around, putzing around. I it seems there's a lot of fathers a lot of dads in the community right that fit that mold you know maybe you're not mold. yeah maybe you're not a um uh, a plumber or an electrician or a carpenter or, or or a tradesperson or tradesman um but there seems to be a lot of that i see that sort of interwoven throughout the maker community right you could be a day-to-day framing carpenter but never make a fucking thing when you get home, you know, like I've, I've known guys <laughs> yeah. like that, that like they'll go to work, frame houses, put up trim, do whatever it is that they're doing in the trades and then come home and want to be so damn far away from it, <laughs> you know. So that's why I think, well, I thought of Shekker because I think that there's some of that sprinkled in, right, is that uh, there's a common desire to just putz around with your hands. And see what, what and happens.
0: That, that's a really great point because I'm in the same boat being in the tech world all mm-hmm. day, you know, for the most part. Um, not so much anymore, but I, you know, I, yep. I have staff that does it for me. <clears throat> and this is what I tell everyone in my sphere, all the people around me, because uh, for the last 25 years, I was the guy that you called when you couldn't figure something out you know, on your right. computer or your phone or whatever it is. Technology wise, I was the dude you know yep. you call me and then and then um you know hopefully there's a a, a transaction involved sometimes right. it's not if it's family you know you don't charge your family but so um i had to set a boundary in the last couple of years with my family and i set the precedent this is what i set the precedent to i said look i'm no longer the guy yeah i have four <laughs> guys now who have replaced me I am the guy that (laughs) cuts those guys checks so that I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. Yep. Initially, you know, of course they don't see the amount of influence, you know, like from, for instance, my parents, you know, one or two calls a week at an hour or two, a pop, they don't really see all the other requests that I get. So they don't really understand it. And so I look at it like this and I just tell them, look, I love you, but I hate this work. I hate it. Like with a passion, I dislike it so much that I hired four people to do all of the requests that I have gotten for myself to take the pressure off of me so I don't have to do it anymore. And here's what I'm going to offer you. So this is what I tell my family. If you need tech help, call my shop line. You will receive no bill. Just just talk to them. Those guys know who you are. Just call them. They yeah. will help you. They'll walk Best the in remote the into your machine. Yep. They'll make it all well and good and everything else. And you'll get no build. You will not be able to talk to me directly. I had to tell my family, stop asking me questions about no, this shit because that, honestly, I don't want to answer great, them anymore.
1: But it makes great sense. You know, there are there are times where it has created a lot of freaking tension. Um yeah. in, in our circle, you know, I would say. Um Do
0: you, you get, know, get that same request? Because you're really oh, yeah. tech savvy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I was also going to say that I think that's the other theme that I see in the maker community. Uh, maybe not so much from the, the fatherly gene, but in today's world, there are a ton of people like you and I that either work directly in the tech industry or in an, in an adjunct field, or were somehow, yep. uh, technology focused staring at a screen. And I think that's that lifelong learner, uh, portion, right? It's hard to work in tech and not be a lifelong learner. You're, yes. you're going to get left behind so damn fast that you know you you'll you you be working left behind on a main I, oh yeah you leave I it for 6 ask, months i have to i
0: have to ask people yeah i'm now i'm the guy asking for help and you know yeah. so i'm going to them going hey You're i have this problem line. yeah yeah i call my own office i go hey look i got this problem uh Think meanwhile I'm two doors defragged. down you know? yeah exactly <laughs> i and the most recent one i had which is might may or not be may or may not be interesting to the audience is that i do all my own production work for all my YouTube videos mm-hmm. and content creation. And I have this little cart. We've talked about the cart. It's got a little, you know, it's basically a dolly yeah. that holds my tripod and my lights. And I have on that cart, I have a screen. I have a mounted, you know, uh, Visa 100 mount that holds a small TV. So I can see what the hell I'm shooting, making yeah. sure I'm in focus and all that jazz. I uh, this is gonna sound really silly, but I had an issue where that screen was not mirrored so what I was seeing was oh. an exact copy of the camera pointing to me so if I move my hand left it would go right yeah. on the screen uh, my brain could not compensate no you know, that I had enough trips to think you up about.
1: fast
0: big time so I'm like trying to show the camera something and try to get it into focus and I'm lo- moving my hand left and right and it and it looks silly right it's a thing. Yep. So, I start my research on finding a screen that has the capability of doing a, a horizontal mirror, mirror.
1: image. Yeah. You
0: wouldn't believe it, though, that this is a very difficult task oh. for most TVs. Like, I don't know why, but it is. And You'd so, think a driver
1: um, or something, not a driver, but they a piece make a of box. software would be. Yeah, it, they right?
0: make a box that, that goes between, like, you okay. fish an uh, a HDMI cable into it, and then on the way out, it flips it you know yep, for you yep. that box okay. is 400 but 400 dollars tiny box Holy yeah shit. which i was not willing to pay assault. for this
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: <laughs> so i go to my guys and i and i'm like you know i i have a whole staff of people i could just ask this question why am i right. not doing that and yep. let them figure it out right in two is- hours i had an uh, uh an email that showed me what i needed to buy and It was a television that was available at Best Buy. And they figured out by watching uh, somebody on YouTube that there's a secret menu inside of this television.
1: Oh, that
0: her. allows you to go in and horizontally mirror the image it, on Isn't it. that
1: funny like somebody By fucked hitting a up series so of bad. Keys. Somebody fucked up so bad they put a $400 piece of software <laughs> you know in a $500 exactly.
0: TV. <laughs> well, it's it's designed for I guess places that have like mirrored you know imagery for sure. something i don't really fully understand why this feature it exists but it does i would imagine and in the
1: filming industry you know it makes sense
0: so here here's here's what how they discovered it was a guy was doing exactly what i'm doing and he yep. needed a teleprompter he needed a way because if i don't know if you know a teleprompter mm-hmm. mirrors the uh image yep.
1: it wasn't Joe the Biden, words was it?
0: yeah yeah over over your face and and the and everybody's going well why the fuck is this so expensive to create Mm -hmm. your own teleprompter it is extremely expensive same exact problem i had and then of course right it's just pixels and in fact here's the here's the kicker so i had bought years ago a little tiny display that was like seven inches wide and it had the function it It had a button on it and I'm thinking to myself, if this little hundred-dollar seven-inch screen yeah. can do it, any of these TVs should be able to do it. So it's a Samsung brand te- branded television, and you basically hit a series of keys on the remote, and yeah. it goes into the service menu, and you say flip it horizontally, and it does it, and boom, that's problem solved. Slick. These guys wonder, had it done for me and delivered the next day, yeah. and I had it a problem. Brilliant. Solved. You know, two hundred bucks by the
1: that, way for the uh, TV. No shit, that's cheap.
0: For the Modern whole thing, it's so so a 36 thirty-six-inch TV. Yeah.
1: So um, cheap. It must have something to do, right, with the fact that uh, there's no feature like that in either of the operating systems, Windows or, or, or Mac, right? So, right. the the monitor has to do that work, and so, therefore, they're going to charge you through the nose for that proprietary technology to do the, the mirror flip, you know, uh, or whatever. But you would think, like, Apple would have it, or... Windows, for that matter, as much as Maybe I hate Windows. They do Windows, still think they have
0: I, it. I, I did, I but know. see, this is Weird. this is a feed coming out of the camera, so I needed it right. to be something that was built into a very dumb display. It, it, sure. know, the camera has an output of an HDMI. And I needed it to go into a camera that, or into a monitor that had just HDMI. I wasn't even filtering it through anything. It was just a straight up display. Yeah, just, so just that solved my problem, and the guys solved that for me in, you know,
1: very in, cool,
0: an hour or two. And yeah. So anyway, but getting back to being an old man, because that's what I yeah. am now. But uh, <laughs> I know. Listen uh, to one, us. One, you wouldn't believe that <laughs> fucking Back in today. my day, you could just boot up Windows ninety eight and it just worked. <laughs> I couldn't even my tell what those kids were clicking
1: on. The clicks
0: yeah. were down fast (laughs) i get on instagram i don't even understand it anymore that's that's me that's me that's what i sound like so uh and by the way one more plug because uh this week i sat down with jeff fader for two hours and had a long conversation about um arbitrary things and and it was an awesome awesome experience so tomorrow You will be able to hear me on the Full Blast podcast with Jeff Fader. And by the way, I feel very honored because I'm like between a lot of very amazing folks like, you know, coming right after Will uh, Stelter and Marekko Mamasi of Mamasi Fire Arts. And, you know, it's like I don't even know if I belong here, Jeff, to be honest. But, uh, you know, uh, great feeling to be on the show.
1: (laughs) You hundred percent do, and I am really looking forward to that. That is going to be great. I I listened to the interview with Mareko. Oh, I don't know, a couple days ago, early in the morning, I was out here. Had the shop was just a total disaster. My father in law was out to do some skiing, and so we got to we got to finish in the kitchen, and we're damn near there. <laughs> um, but I was out here trying to get ahead of the mess one morning, and and put that episode on, and it was. Sun, sun came up, you know, and it was like shit. They're in there cooking breakfast. I'm like, I, I literally, I can't leave this shop. I got to keep listening. <laughs> it's just a great, yeah, yeah. great interview.
0: That, that um, was a fantastic piece with yes. Mareko. and you know, what you hear my knife talk all the time, yeah. and then you, you know, there's all this underlying data and and story yeah. in him, that you and don't so get. yeah,
1: just a, a both both of them awesome awesome humans. Um, with just incredible stories and, uh, really enjoyed, uh, listening to Mareko's story and learned a lot about him, learned a lot about life and, and gave me, you know, a number of good, really good ponderables to take away and go, yeah, let's let's burn some brain cells
0: on that. Also also the, the fricking chain of events that led him to where he is now. I think when Fucking you start to break dancing? down, yeah, the salsa dancing thing that led to him working for Bob Kramer and then becoming one of the uh, most recognized knife makers in the world, <laughs> then right. going on Joe Rogan's podcast and, you know, booking himself out for five years. You know, so yeah. it, it really is a mind blowing uh, interview. Go check it out. Uh, you know, yep. listen to Jeff's if you're not oh, following Joe. Jeff's podcast, listen to it. He was just a, such a great guy. By the way, I'm friends with Jeff, but I wasn't before I joined the Makery. You know, Jeff and I Mm -hmm. connected and he took the time to connect with me. uh, And and it was a genuine connection. And we and we just because of our love of broadcasting and what we've done with our careers over time, there's a lot of similarities. We really just kind of like became friends over time and then we sat down for two hours and talked about you know basically just the path that i you know i've taken but you know anyway great experience being on the show thank you so much jeff uh for having me and uh go out and check it out so getting to this because here here's the thing we are uh where where are we at we're we're 20 minutes in already i feel like 20 minutes but but we asked a question two weeks ago about this you know what did you learn from your dad uh, mm-hmm. We got a ton of responses and we couldn't get to them all so that uh, what we decided to do was double up the week and then, you know, double up the weeks and go in, uh, what would you call it? Dropping the, Drop the deuce, dropping the on deuce on the work for it podcast. And we're going to talk about these responses because here's the reason why normally I would never do this. I don't, you know, a lot of times the the responses we get are pretty short and they're, you know, they're great and concise and everything, but in this particular case, we have gained access to all these great little pieces of advice that people have um, chosen to send to us by, you know, via their fathers or whatever. So yeah. I felt like we can't skip skim over these. We need to we need to go into them. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the old Facebook link. This is okay. from now I have 61 <laughs> comments on it. Man, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna just gonna go ahead and start looking through these again um okay so i i remember where i was at but anyway okay so brian hooten of hooten the knives he says uh i'm the best flashlight holder in three counties i don't know if you remember holding the flashlight for your dad oh but that's Lord. kind of where right. most of our i remember holding the workshop light, experience picking, starts
1: uh, picking night crawlers out of the yard <laughs> there go you go <laughs> i mean
0: dad d- dad would always hand me the light because you know that's what dads do, you know, like, hey, yep. I'm working on the truck or whatever. And yep. then I'd stand there and, you know, he'd tell me where to point it. And then I'd doze off or, you know, uh, daydream and he'd be like, Hey, you know <laughs> yep, <laughs> It's funny every time Daresta <laughs> uh,
1: Duresta has often uh, he'll often hold a flashlight in his mouth. In fact, one of his videos he made a little mouthpiece thing for his flashlight and that's the first thing I thought of was like he needs a kid. He's gotta have kids. He needs a kid.
0: Yeah <laughs> Daresta doesn't have any kids, does he? No. No, no. children for Jimmy. Yeah. No.
1: Uh I got Jonathan's hard work and determination.
0: That's what he learned from his dad? Yep. I hey, listen, I will say that a lot of people talk a good talk about things yep. and then I but again we've talked about this numerous times about action is by far Uh, The thing you should be looking at. In fact, um, I'll even read this comment again because I think it's so important. Daniel Bradford uh, says, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. And that is the truth. I have this phrase that I use in uh, in business a lot. And it's something that I learned from a very wealthy client of mine who used to hire me to do all kinds of stuff for him. And paid me a lot of money to do it. And and he would always say to me, and I remember the first time we had the conversation, it was a little off-putting, but he would say, trust but verify. Yeah. So it takes, what it does is it removes the sort of, um, hey, by the way, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about, nor do I uh, trust you fully. But this yeah. is a very diplomatic way of saying, I would like to verify what you're saying. Yeah. I trust you, but I want to verify it. I think Uh, we, which basically means I don't trust you, but whatever.
1: Yeah. But I think we (laughs) also take offense to that, like almost to an improper degree. Right. Um, You should to some extent. And you shouldn't, I think a lot of folks end up doing that. You know, it's, you're being critical of my work. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm protecting myself and I'm protecting you as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. you Yeah, exactly. Um, You're protecting the business relationship too, by the way, because if something happens, you're never going to do business with that person again. You know, so right. then your ability to make money together through collaboration is gone. And so want your, if somebody um... wants to verify it, then let them verify it. Don't tell yep. you personally, just let it happen how it happens. Uh, you know, of course draw your own boundaries and your own lines or whatever. But when I was a young man, I used to take super offense to that. People were yeah, like, well, yeah, I don't really believe in what you're saying. And uh, oh, I got the, how be- dare I know you, the best sir. way to
1: do it. And it's hundred percent right when it's done, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I do a lot of work and data for my day job and, you know, processing data and cranking data and, you know, putting together reports and all that kind of stuff. And that's our rule. Nothing goes out the door unless it's looked at by at least one other person oftentimes yeah. four.
0: <laughs> yeah, double set, double set eyes, man. Just you know, I have now learned that I have been wrong so many times in my life about oh, stuff Lord. that I was so sure of. I was like, "Hey, look, verify this for me because I want to make sure that when it goes out the door that you know, we've done our jobs and we've done it right." Hell Which is yeah. by the way probably part of the reason why my tech business was so successful is because there's so many people down in Florida who are on island time. Who do not don't. give a shit about any. Yep. In almost every industry, I don't know what it is I'll about bet. Florida. I'm a Midwest guy. Man, Chicago work ethic is a thing. I mean, it is like yeah. people. You know, it doesn't really matter what it looks like outside. If it's zero degrees or above, you're working out there. You're doing your job, and you're making sure it's done right. Down here in Florida, ugh, that is not the case. I mean, I I have. Uh, labor issues with people I you know I'm just trying to get people to show up to work is tough and yep. you know I don't know if it's the sunshine the rum or what could be the time I mean, God, too right
1: I, like we we grew up in a different era to some extent as well you know and I mean I hear that from my father-in-law you know at the plant that that he's at you know he's like we could probably get bigger but I can't get anybody to work Yep. and you go yep. like me, like this you can't get ridiculous. anybody that,
0: that's worth a damn to work. You know, yes. the guys that are worth a damn, you hang on to and you make sure they're happy. But yeah, you know, he says it's they won't, tough, man.
1: They'll either won't piss in a cup or they'll come to work for a week and decide that it's not their gig, you know. Yeah, and he's like, Yeah, where's the hard work? Sally Creek Forge knows where the hard work is, Mr. John. My father and I went to the local flea market on Saturday mornings. He was always looking for 18th century tools at demonstrations. He showed people how things were made in days gone by. My brother and I would make boxes and furniture alongside him. And I remember one weekend and he tagged somebody here, honest omnivore and I were making cedar shingles while my father was doing demonstrations. One Saturday in 1976 or 1977, I saw an anvil I bought it and used a Hibachi for a forge. My father never did metalwork, so I learned by myself and the blacksmiths I met and, and the blacksmiths I met helped. My father taught me the value of a dollar and how to haggle at the flea markets. He pushed my brother and I to, to build it and not buy it. I have been known for my adult life as the guy who can build or fix anything kind of a cool story.
0: If you have that skill set, you are by far yeah. f- way past your contemporaries. So every time your dad asks you for help and you're out there, you know, going and helping him and watching them work or doing whatever, understand that, yes, you're giving him help, but he's also showing you how it's done your yeah. and you're learning and you're, you're soaking that up. You know, my dad was the guy that was when we were in Illinois he he built log cabins for a living. Yeah, and um, man, he, you got to
1: know some shit there, right? Yeah, I can, I can yeah. imagine.
0: Yeah, and he he would hire like you know family members like all my cousins and stuff. I was too little, you know. I was like yeah. ten when he started that business, but then you know he hired all the you know cousins and everybody to build houses and all that. And you know he was the guy, not only up on the scaffolding, but he was the guy looking at the blueprint making sure yep. everything was done right. And that led him down the road of, you know, building houses and doing a whole slew of other things for the, yeah. the rest of his career. And I was the kid, 10, 11 years old, running around underneath those scaffolds, you know, right. grabbing hammers and nails. You needed a box of something. I was the runner. And I yep. didn't make any money doing it, of course, but I, I learned what it was like to be on a job site. And then You're making that money houses. now.
1: Uh, yeah, right. it,
0: it, yeah if if yeah. anything, I walked away with uh, being able to work you know my, the crews I worked on, like for instance, the, when I was old enough to actually join a crew, they yeah. would do everything but the concrete work. So like you, okay. you we yep. would walk onto yep. a job site the, the the basement would be built and from that cap we would make the cap of the basement and we would build all the way to the shingles. So yep. every single step, including the electrical, So now I'm, you know, these guys, because my dad was a GC, he could sign off on pretty much everything. We, we would do everything. So then later in life, when something goes wrong in our house, I go, oh yeah, that's because Uh, of this. And you know, Sarah's like, how the hell do you know this? I'm like, I've built, you know, houses from the ground up, 10 of them. Plus when I was a teenager, it's
1: amazing how many people, even people that I, that I, that I've known that I consider knowledgeable in trades, handy human beings that don't understand what's behind a piece of sheetrock. You know, they don't understand uh, how to wire a simple outlet or how to put a new breaker in a breaker panel, you know, just those, those somewhat simplistic things. And it's not their fault. I don't, I I think I want to stress that. I think sometimes folks take that as a criticism and I don't, I don't mean it to be a criticism at all. If you never had the opportunity to experience or see that done, how the hell would you know? You're not just gonna yeah. go look up arbitrarily how to put a, pan- a breaker in a panel box. No, no way. But it's surprising how many people don't know. The guy I worked for in high school was that same way. We were soup to nuts. You know, they'd roll off the the concrete truck would leave, and you know, we'd start rolling floor uh, and all the way up. He didn't do electrical and he didn't do plumbing, um, but you know, you kind of, I got enough of that other places. And the like guy I worked for it in Seattle, we were straight framers and we were, I refer to that as like, we were like, um, we were carpenter athletes, yes. <laughs> you know, it was balls to the wall all day long. Um, and you, if you weren't running to get nails for the nail gun, You you were getting screamed at
0: (laughs) all day long, and you're there. You start at six or six thirty in the morning. Everybody stops, has their coffee, talks to each other, and you're running until two thirty three in the afternoon. And you're doing it in sometimes very extreme weather. Oh, uh, it rained
1: four inches one day when when I was in. It was in Seattle. It rained four fucking inches, and we never quit. That's right. (laughs) I remember. I remember. Guy guy Jeff, I work with. He he started. uh, He started. Chewing cigarettes instead of smoking them because he couldn't keep them (laughs) lit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We had guys that, and on the cold days, we would be, I remember specifically building this house. It was an exposed basement, so the backside of the house felt like three stories. Mm -hmm. And we're putting, uh, the day that we were doing this, um, it started to rain and then it got so cold that it started to freeze but this was the day that the crane truck was coming to deliver the the, the uh, land the trusses all the trusses yeah so um this one guy uh who was always on the top i mean he was always running around on the top plate uh he about every 30 minutes or so he'd be running down uh to his car to pop open the trunk to open up a bottle of Seagram 7 to do a shot because it was so cold. He was trying to stay warm by drinking alcohol. Oh. And then he would climb up on the, you know, now he's running around yeah. and, yep. and you're like, Walking walls. how oh. is this even possible? This guy's going to fall off <sighs> this roof. He never did, though. No, he's got a nah. solid. Something tells get, me the shots were, you know, a, a yeah. daily occurrence with this. I joke. think
1: they were uh, more to keep him on the level than they were to uh, allow him to. <laughs> My walk hands the are starting to
0: get shaky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm run yeah. down,
1: grab me another shot. You got to keep <laughs> that withdrawal quick, yeah. away somehow. I work with a guy. No, and by the way, <laughs> no
0: safety harnesses. too. No, we did no. not have a single safety That's harness the on, the, we, on the job.
1: Uh, even when I worked in Seattle, come to think of it, George wasn't. George was a barrel chested New Englander that somehow ended up in Seattle he and his brother and the very first day on the job i just literally went through the classifieds and i was like oh they're looking for framers fuck i've 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 done some framing so i give give Why a not? call yeah start monday show up monday so i show up monday and i'm like you know i was just a backwoods kid from fucking pennsylvania And show up at the big boy job site, you know. And I'm like, holy shit, people are screaming and yelling and running. And I'm like, he's like, dude, you know, he tells me to do five things, four of them. I had no fucking clue what it even was, (laughs) you know. So I kind of ducked away and hid all day. And then after the third break, we had like three five minute breaks throughout the day. That was our kind of lunch built in, you know. And after the third break, George and his brother get into a goddamn fisticuffs and they're oh, yeah. beating the living shit out of each other. And we never saw the brother from that day on. He just fucking disappeared.
0: <laughs> he got buried under the, under the frigging houses. What happened yeah, to him? Probably. It's
1: like, holy shit. But I got, I, I all, you know, you also meet, speaking of this fatherly, you also, some, some, some of us meet some of those folks in your life that, almost become those fatherly figures. This guy, George was one of those to me. I ended up, I did a bunch of work on his house on the weekends, trying to make some extra money and got to know he and his wife very, very well. In fact, I I moved from Seattle to Missoula and his wife grew up in Missoula. So she was just in in heaven, you know, telling me all about Missoula. They just, I've, I've lost track of them and lost touch with them. And, um, I've almost reached out. There's, uh, folk, uh, there's dudes on Instagram, the awesome framers, uh, Tim U- Euler, I think it is. They do, they do some incredible framing and Instagram work, but I've almost reached out to him and just said, Hey, do you know anything about this guy? George Boulanger was his to figure name. Out where he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just see where the hell he is. I, yeah. I can't imagine that they moved, you know, but, um, yeah, I I regret losing touch with those folks cuz they were really yeah. really good people, but
0: you spend a lot of time with them on a job site. It's like oh, um, similar yeah. to <clears throat> like a military type situation where you feel like you get really you get close uh, yep. through a lot of hardship. I I work yeah. for a guy, Bob Loose. I believe he's passed on now. If he's alive, I'd be surprised, but he was um he was a guy that you never saw without a cigarette in his mouth. I mean, it, yep. It, he probably smoked three packs a day, maybe. I don't know. But it was like he's probably sucked in more cigarette smoke than than air. Right. I mean it was this guy smoke. was just Yeah. <laughs> he big, smoke oh, dude, him, trust just me. Uh, breathing yeah. it in. Yeah. So uh all right, let me get back to the I got a comment here uh from Casper Geist uh Geist. Uh he's a tattoo artist, I believe somewhere down here in Florida. He messaged me a couple of times. He was he said he was sort of close, but I think he's he's a few hours away. He says, Once upon a time, there was a non conforming sparrow who decided not to fly south for the winter. However, soon the weather turned so cold that he reluctantly started southward. In a short time, ice began to form on his wings and he fell to the earth in a barnyard, almost frozen. A cow passed by and crapped on the little (laughs) sparrow. The sparrow thought it was the end, but then the manure warmed him up and defrosted his wings. Warm and happy, able to breathe, he started to sing. Just then, a large cat came by and hearing the chirping, investigated the sound. The cat cleared the manure, found the chirping sparrow, and promptly ate the bird. Now, it may seem that there are no lessons here, but there are. In fact, there's three. Number one, everyone who shits on you is not necessarily your enemy.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
0: Number two, everyone who gets you out of the shit is not necessarily your friend. A hero. <laughs> yeah. And number three, if you're warm and happy, even if it's in a pile of shit, keep your mouth shut. And that's, th- th- they're right there. <laughs> tons of wisdom in that comment. Uh, everyone who gets uh, shits on you is not necessarily your enemy. Uh, and everyone who gets you out of shit is not necessarily your friend. And that is the truth. You have no to doubt. look at the, look at the, um, you know, the motives of people to understand what's going on there. And I, I mean, some of the worst shit that's ever happened to me tended to be the, like the biggest catalyst for yeah. me to do better things in my life. So yep. well, I think about that.
1: any time you've ever changed jobs or, you know, I, I always say that like, if, if you're looking for a job, it's going to happen at what you consider to be the worst time. Right. Yes. <laughs> because yeah, that's, right before
0: Christmas is a great time yeah. to get laid off.
1: Right. Like inevitably that's when it's going to happen. And and the reality of it is that it's a perfectly normal time. It's just that the fucking stress of that monstrous change, you know, yep. makes it seem like a bad time every time it happens.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, it, it, it's ne- There's never a good time to lose. There's never a good time to lose your job, have a child or start a business. So just yep. be aware that all of those things will happen and it will always feel like the wrong time. But, you know, Hey, you well, get through it. Yeah, you yep. live through it, you
1: know? Uh, Mike LaValle, I'm going to read this one and then go make sure the boys are getting dressed for school. If you sure, no, problem. You yeah, no problem. Yeah, no
0: problem. <laughs>
1: anything, Mike LaValle says, anything anything worth having requires hard work. But if you work hard enough, you can have it 100%. And Absolutely. Truer words have not been spoken there. I, yeah, if it. it uh, uh, it, what else? What's, what's the other way I've heard it put? Is that anything worth having is difficult or something or or anything that's yeah. easy isn't worth having? or I don't know.
0: I, I like to say uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. There and you that's go. That's why yep. you can't. Amen. You know, when people uh, ask me about the things that I do or try to emulate the things I do. And in fact, we talked about this on the podcast a little bit with Jeff is he's like, I don't know if I would handle all that as well as you did. And I just said, you know, it. it I don't think people fully understand what the commitment looks like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you want to start a business, there are many, many things that have to take place in order for you to achieve. And so yeah. I welcome competition and I think it's great. I think people that can do it will rise up and do it and those that can't think they can and maybe they will find it one day that's great too but i think that's a good thing free markets are great competition's great i love it i think it It motivates us all you get fat and happy if you're you're uh, content and i'm uh, all about keeping that pressure on even though pressure sucks and stress it sucks yeah go run and do your thing i'll 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 take over mm, here you got her yeah i got it uh now who Uh, He's a friend of mine in Israel who I, I really appreciate. He's always on all the social medias. We're talking about engineering stuff all the time. He says, my dad taught me how to hold a hammer, how to use a screwdriver, use a wrench, and use a drill. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was 14 from cancer, and that must have been terrible. I can't even imagine losing my father at the age of 14. That must have been really tough, but he did give you all of this great. Uh, knowledge and he showed you how to use all those tools, which is fantastic. Uh, Rest in peace, dad, rest in peace. Um, So uh, Miller, uh, Miller farewell. uh, A good friend of mine out in California. He's a Canadian transplant on the West coast of the United States. Uh, He says, my dad taught me to be inventive more by doing it than by teaching it. He was always modifying tools to do a different job. He was good at thinking up new ways of doing things. Uh, that right there, uh, again, going back to the actions thing where we see, uh, for instance, you uh, know, in the last episode and a couple of people commented on my comment about this is that uh, if your father wasn't around, he probably did you a favor. And when I say that, I mean, he probably didn't bring uh, he he would have brought a lot of chaos into your life or maybe possibly negativity. I think that's something that innately some of these sperm donor dads um sort of know they're like you know they have that feeling like you know what you'd be better off without me uh messing up your life um even though it was tough for mom to do single mom stuff and whatever but uh yeah unfortunately that uh, that donation of life um isn't always a contract for most people to actually follow through with a lot of that what goes on with parenting now, the good news is, is that if you're commenting or you're listening to the Work For it podcast or you're, you know, you're actively seeking out a better life for yourself and for your own children, you've won. You know, you've really won. And, you know, these these comments that you read of all these guys who had great wisdom from their dads, I'm sure they got into some shit with their own dad. And, you know, that, you know, like we all have, you know, with family and all. So. You know, you're reading the positive stuff. Um, you know, you're, you were spared the negative and also, unfortunately, the positive by the absence of your fathers. And, um, un- but the good news is, is typically, you know, you're, you're rising up. You know, most people do, they figure it out and they're breaking the cycle. And I'm seeing a lot of that in these comments here. And especially in the private messages from people who have reached out to me privately and talked about their, their relationship with their absentee fathers and how, you know, that became their story for a while. Uh, one of the things I like to tell people that kind of come to me with stuff like that is, is you can let that become your story, but, It will be, it's hard to hear, but it will be just like many others, a non-unique path. And you have to choose right now, you know, was your mom and dad's divorce, you know, was that your story? You're going to tell it, you know, you're going to tell that story about how bad it was and how negative it was, or your absentee father, how negative that was, or are you going to change the tune of that story? You're going to spin it. And you're going to say, you know what? Despite all of these things, I achieved anyway. And I went out and I did all these things. Uh, in in uh, Yes, I had some negative things happen to me. I'm not a victim. I rose up above it. And I will now set the path for every generation below me and past me to change those cycles. And by the way, even if you've had a great childhood or a great family experience and you've had mom and dad stay together, you had, you know, whatever it might've been, you can still give your kids better. You know, that's what the, that's what we can hope for as a society that every time a generation passes on, moves on, that the generation they have brought up has a little bit more and it has a better advantage. That's always been my goal. And by the way, I do that every day with my own children, but also that's a big part of my mission as a content creator, as somebody that's putting their life into the public eye. I'm telling you that no matter what your circumstance, you can do it. You can rise up. I want to inspire you to take those necessary steps. Whatever those steps are, that's up to you. But, you know, you can do it. It is is a thing that everyone should know that that's my mission and that's my statement. So anyway, all right. Thank you, Miller, for a great comment. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's see. John Falcons, to not be afraid of trying to do things that I don't know how to do. Uh, That is an excellent one. It's a very short one, but that's an excellent point, is that if you don't know how to do something, immediately there's a fear there. There's like, oh, I I don't know how to handle this. You know, almost daily, I think we all have these situations, right? Well, when you see your own father, like my father, who looks at something and goes, I don't know how to do that, but we are going to find out. Right there, he set the precedent that I now have that same power because I've watched him do it. And by the way, if you see me doing anything on YouTube or on Instagram or Ben doing things on YouTube and Instagram. It's because we are trying to show you that it can be done. That's the point. And and now with YouTube, like back when I was a kid, YouTube didn't exist. I couldn't just type in, you know, like, "Hey, how to install two twenty or whatever." I there was nothing like that. You had to <laughs> you had to right? go to a library and grab a book, and then you know, hope to God you could yeah. decipher the diagrams the, and then, uh, you know, do it yourself.
1: Encyclopedia Britannica, right? <laughs> I mean, you I don't see door in to door. House. Yeah, we do yeah. too. I can you know, I can remember that. Uh, distinctly. I can remember one time we lived in the fucking middle of nowhere, you know, 30 minutes from town even. And I can remember this guy rolled up the driveway one day with a whole stack of books, oh, yeah. sat down at the table and somehow convinced my stepdad, like you got to have these things. They're, you know, your kids are going to get straight A's. I don't think we opened those fuckers once.
0: <laughs> they looked great but on the shelf, didn't they? They looked it great. Books. Yeah. yeah. It made but you look so smart.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. You're so right. Like, if you think about now, um, the choice to not uh, know it, not knowing how to do something, is a choice, right? Yes. Like if you if you encounter a problem in life that can be solved with your two hands. Um, you have to make a choice to not look it up, right? Like whether you notice that, whether you um, acknowledge that you're making that choice or not, you're making that choice because the world's knowledge base is there for the taking, right? You can yeah. literally learn how to, you could learn how to fly rocket ships to Mars, you know, and land them. The,
0: the barrier for entry into just about anything now is pretty low. And, and yeah, yes. it used to be, this low. is my argument for going to college now. Uh, And again, another very unpopular opinion is that I won't pressure my kids to go to college. I'm just not Mm going to do it. I think they should. I think that college is a great experience. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself. I don't know how much I took away
1: Mm. uh,
0: unless, I mean, of course, if you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, all these requirements, you you have to go and follow this path. But if you're going to be like a dude like me, uh, you know, who has done whatever with his life you know college really wasn't a necessary thing for me however I will say this if I didn't go to college I would have never gotten a job at Fox TV I would have never really learned how to solder and I probably Mm -hmm. would have never really started a computer repair business because I didn't really have the skills to do it and you know it just it was a lot like Mareko was saying on his and his uh, the podcast with Jeff is that there was a lot of little things that added up to one big thing for him, which was the yep. push to do the things that he wanted to do. And and by the way, Moreeco ended up you know you got to listen to it, but he ended up going and and working for Bob Kramer, who is uh, a, a legendary Whoa, knife maker no. because yeah. of a college thing, like a credit thing that yep. he wanted to go get college credit, and he ended up. You got to listen to it. Just go listen to yeah. it. It's a fantastic say- story of path. It's great.
1: Yeah, I used to say that that um, that college teaches you how to learn, you know, uh, it, or or maybe a a way to learn. Whereas high school and grade school teaches you facts, right? Very factual based yes. knowledge. You learn your times tables and you learn how to add and subtract and multiply and all that horseshit and spelling and everything else. But then you get to college and it's that open slate. And, and maybe, just maybe, you might encounter some amazing high school teacher, right, that inc- that brings that out in you as well, that yes. leaves you enough wiggle room to go explore. I think that's more the case today than ever. You know, uh, in Boise here, um, the charter school system has grown to such an extent that there's now, you know, charter schools specifically designed... Charter High School, specifically designed for a student that wants to become a computer science major, right? And so they're getting a chance to actually uh, learn some computer science before you get to college, right? Um, And the high school that the boys will probably go to, they have they put in an incredible robotics lab. You know, a couple years ago that these guys are going to get all kinds of robotics and computer science and hardware development software development. So that's a whole different world now. And, uh, I think if we could, if we could change the education system in this country, it would literally revolutionize the world. Right.
0: (laughs) I think it's going to force, it's going to be forced change because universities now are, you know, they're expensive and you're, you know, I'm sitting in a stadium with 10,000 other people my age, graduating at the same time from my major university in Illinois. And I'm thinking yep. to myself, all these fucking people are going to be fighting over the same, you know, right. thousand jobs, you know, they're in, yep. I don't, you know, how is this going to work? Um, and, but it, what it did was it put me in the same room with a lot of people who I would never have access to. I'm sitting yep. in front of a, you know, I, I took a a, 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 production course and I met somebody, an executive from Fox while I was doing there that because of a Score. because of a thing, and I was the student that stood out. I won a film uh, award, and there were people in the audience that were watching those that um, that uh, film. Uh, uh, what the hell they call that? Everybody gets together and does the film thing. Anyway, oh um, film fest <coughs> festival film fest. Yeah, yeah, I won. I won an award for you know, a music nice. video that I made. And somebody saw that of influence and offered yeah. me an unpaid uh, internship just to make sure that I wasn't a freaking goof. Right. Right. And I would have never had that access to somebody like that. And if I didn't go to college, Yep. I will say, I think it's definitely worth it, but I'm never, I would never pressure my kids to do it. I just would no. tell them if you choose not to do it, your life will probably be a little bit more difficult your trajectory yeah. will be a little tougher but you can most definitely work for it and do it so um, yeah i'd ooh. say take
1: time and, off even you know and and that that'll be a prior a point my my wife and i are i won't say at odds but you know she is very she's in education right she's an educator she's a, a an assistive technology specialist you know, that helps kiddos with special needs, you know, speak, which is phenomenal. So she, she sees daily the power of an educate, of a portion of the education system that works because she has full control over it. Right. That's magic. So she's a very big proponent of, oh yes, they will go to college. And I said, well, you know, maybe not immediately after 12th grade what's yeah, wrong with sure. take a year or two off. I, I ended up going back never in a million billion years. You ask anybody that knows me or knew me or my parents or anybody, they would never in a million years guess that I would go back and get a master's degree, <laughs> you know, but I, I went not know back. you
0: had a master's degree.
1: Yeah. That's I ended awesome. up going back in 09. So okay. I was what? 30, 30 some years old, 30, 31 sure. years old. And, um, yeah, I went back and I got a a master's of natural resources and with a specific, uh, fire, wildfire ecology focus. And it was the field I was in and still am in. And it, you know, it was, it was amazing. The difference when (laughs) I had some experience in the field, I had a passion for that subject Sure, and it was so flipping easy. It was, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> you know? it would be, it would be fairly simple, simple for me to go back to and get oh, finished yeah. because I was too distracted chasing girls and doing whatever I was doing yeah. in college Keg stands and drinking and, and yeah, doing stupid shit. <laughs> I was definitely not, um, mature enough, you know, even probably in my thirties, I wasn't mature enough. I, I just needed, I was the guy that always, like my dad always just busted into a room and made it work. And that's, yeah. you know, that you can call it stupidity, grit, whatever you want to call it. But you know, I'm i'm always going to do that that's been my mo for sure um all right well let's okay you want to go you you uh, you got one to read yeah
1: i gotta run the boys to school actually
0: okay no problem (laughs) yeah
1: we're pushing against the time here but how do you want to do you want to keep reading and we, i can h- pop how long do you th-
0: how long do you think you're gonna be gone what's the what's the time frame? 10, like?
1: ten to 12 minutes
0: 10 to, oh jeez oh, yeah i can i can hold my all own right. for that long yeah why don't we because we've got a lot to talk about still and we're only an hour in so yeah why don't Let's you, do you want to run now and do that and then uh yeah i'll see you when you get I'll back i'll make
1: a run and uh we'll see you in a few
0: you gotta work for it go do it
1: intermission <laughs> all
0: right stay safe stay safe <laughs> stay out safe. there. All right. Uh, Nicole O'Hara, who, if you don't know, uh, is married to one of my favorite people on the planet, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Dustin O'Hara from The Art of Craftsmanship. She says uh, he taught me that fart jokes are funny at any age. He introduced me to grunge and metal and the blues. And he's renovated enough old houses to make me not want to tackle a project like that. But if I had to, at least I'd know where to start. Uh, Your dad sounds awesome, Nicole, number one. That's awesome. And um, if he introduced you to all that music, that's fantastic. And the very fact that he gave you the, uh, the necessary experience to know that, yes, tackling an old house project is definitely not something for the for the people who don't really fully love doing that work. I've renovated a few myself and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to live in a house that doesn't need a lot of maintenance right now. My mother-in-law, uh, Mrs. Sandy Aview, she says, my dad taught us the value of hard work and not sitting around waiting to be handed something you want. You have to work for it. And if at some point I would love to have her on the show to have her talk a little bit about her father. Her father was a World War II veteran, took, I don't know, I think he had been shot two or three times and then went back and fought again. And then later in life, he would uh, uh, be the fire uh, chief of the firehouse in their town, their town in Pennsylvania. And he was a super interesting guy. I wish I would have known him. He passed away before my time of joining their family, but, uh, super interesting stories. He sounds like the type of guy that I would have loved to hang out with. And, um, she exemplifies a lot of what he has, uh, what I've heard about him anyway. So, a uh, very super interesting guy. Um, All right, here we go. Chris Boland, another uh, fellow entrepreneur who was a client of mine for many years here in Naples, uh, has since moved on to Georgia. He's building a a cool, um, sustainable. I think it's like a sustainable little area where uh, he's got a house and uh, another house connected to it that's got like an Airbnb thing going on somewhere in Georgia, and he says, uh, my dad always told me if some other idiot can do it, then you can do it. I guess that's part of the origin of my sense of humor. Very sadly, a friend in the Navy told me that his dad told him the only ones working hard in this world are fools and maggots. What a tough way to start with a role model like that. Uh, yeah, the, anybody that believes that hard work is only for people who... Um, uh, don't know any better is silly because uh, the, not everyone gets everything handed to them and you, you climb up and you can from nothing, you can climb up and climb the ladder and do what you need to do with your time. That's a, a, a very hard thing to hear from your own father. I can only imagine that if you heard the only ones working hard in this world are fools and maggots, that's totally the opposite. In my opinion, even the wealthy clients that I work with on a regular basis, they all work very hard. It is a, it is a commonality amongst the successful. Uh, all right. So let me see here. I'm looking through our comments, more of these, um, Michael Valley. Oh, maybe we've reached the end here. Well, maybe that's the case. This is the end. All right. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> real quick, since Ben Ben's off running his errands, this week was a, uh, a crazy week for us both uh, so far. Uh, We've also got some changes coming up with the way the podcast will be delivered. I don't think you'll see any changes in regards to the way that you will see it. I think it's just more changes on our side. But um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about some of the experiences that I've had in my shop this week. One really cool thing is right before the end of the year last year, I ordered a laser uh, etching machine, 50 watt fiber laser. I consulted with Craig Lockwood over at the... um, a chop knives and a knife talk because he too purchased one and I had never really thought this is kind of how interesting this is like this is how incestual we be we have become here at the makery because you know one guy does one thing and then you know you see everybody else kind of like oh hey I want to do that too which I, I really love by the way because that just shows how much alike we all are uh but um Craig orders one. He It sits in freaking customs for like two months. He gets it and the, the fricking board pops on him. And there's a whole long story that goes along with that. If you listen to some episodes way back uh, from Knife Talk, he describes what the problem was. And uh, I too experienced the same problem, except when I got my machine, it actually worked. My machine sat in customs for two months and then was shipped back to China. When you buy a laser cutter or a laser uh, etching machine, from uh, anything from China. Here's some things you need to know. Now, I am getting a solid education on importing goods from China because I'm looking into uh, starting to remove some of the supply chain problems I've had with motors and VFDs. So, I want to import them from China. And so, when you go on like say Alibaba or AliExpress or any of these places, you can see a plethora of all these different Items for sale. I mean, literally anything you can dream up uh, in China is made there and they will ship it to you. And it seems a little sketchy at first. So you always want to work with vendors that have good reviews and ratings. That's something that, you, you know, pay a little extra, you know, don't go for the cheapest of everything. So I find this laser cutter. I consult with Craig. He tells me what he bought, and blah, blah, blah. I find it. Um, I don't want to pull the trigger because it's a lot of money. And um, I'm thinking, eh, what am I going to use this thing for? I, I don't really know. I'm thinking like I could etch my logo on my knives. Maybe I could put part numbers on parts or something, you know. But And I always see like TR Maker. He's He's got one. He's always doing cool shit with it. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, all right. I got a little bit of money to spend. Now, when you run a business at the end of the year in December, you're looking at your numbers. You're looking at like how much money you have in your coffers. Hopefully you've got some profit there. I mean, that's the, the whole point of this, right? Is that you're going to have some money left over at the end of the year. And I had about five grand and I was like, yeah, you know, if I let the government tax me on those dollars, I'm going to pay like 30 some percent uh, to the tax man on that money. Corporate tax is, um, <clears throat> is a beast. So Sarah says, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you spend some of this money and upgrade some of the shit in your shop, you know, that you need. That's the whole point of the taxation system in the United States. I don't know what it's like outside of the U.S., but a lot of people complain and bitch about, you know, the tax system. Um, My argument for the tax system and corporate taxes in specific are they're forcing me through advantages, tax advantages to reinvest in my business. Now, if I reinvest in my business, that means that I can hire more employees and the economy thrives and so on, so on, so on, right? If they didn't tax me on that money, I would just take the money out of my business, pay myself that money, and I'd be that much closer to retirement, which doesn't help the system. It doesn't, it doesn't really fully help the economy. I apologize. My throat is like out of control because of the um where you have a red tide bloom uh off the coast and my shop is like real close to the beach <clears throat> anyway so uh anyhow so i take this five thousand dollars i'm like shopping around uh, you know i need a few things i cannot come up with a way to spend 5k and then i think the laser etcher would be uh, about that amount and i find one on in AliExpress or Alibaba or wherever. And uh, it's ta- to, you know, basically have a discourse with the people who are selling it. I want to make sure they speak English and all that stuff in case there's a problem. And uh I wire them the money. And it's about thirty nine hundred bucks to get a 50 watt fiber laser uh delivered to your door from China. And then you also now have to tax yourself. Uh the DHL or whoever the importer is, uh will send you a uh, send you a, a a a a bill for the the fees, the import fees, which I now have discovered. If you import anything from China, the dollar amount on the ticket adds up, and then you pay that, and then you will tack on an additional thirty percent. Is about the number that I've come up with, in in a roundabout way. That's what I've discovered. It's about a thirty percent import fee. Now, of course, there's an advantage if you buy more, and you you know whatever. Um, I've also discovered that a lot of these Chinese um, folks have uh, <laughs> have uh, sort of tried to slide under the radar and send uh, an invoice of lesser dollar amount to the shipper, like DHL, so you don't pay those, those duties and taxes. Now, I'm the, the type of person that I believe in the system. Yes, it's expensive. Uh, I pay the fees. I pay the duties. I don't believe in in, um, getting around all that. I don't think there's much use in that, to be honest. So I'm an up and up guy. uh, Dodging taxes, never a good idea, by the way. If if you um, are thinking about doing it, do not. Uh, It's not a good idea. Uh, Eventually it'll catch up with you one way or the other. So anyway, I import this thing. It gets to the U.S. I have to fill out all kinds of... Forms, things that say that I'm importing something that creates radiation, it meets FDA, you know, whatever. I fill all this paperwork out. I give them my EIN number, which is my federal ID number for my company and blah, blah, blah. And then I submit all of that. And by the time I, it, t- it took me a day to gather all this data. I get it to them. They had already turned around and shipped it back to China. So... <laughs> So now it's on a plane and it's going back to China. And it by the way, it was here in the U.S. It was like in Tampa. I mean, it was just an hour or two away from me. Uh, and I could not gain access to it. They shipped back. I talked to the shipper or the, uh, the vendor on um, in China. And they're like, we're so sorry. We don't know what happened. They figured it all out. turns out they had the wrong FEIN number, which is the, the federal ID number. Something that got screwed up. Lost in translation, as they say. Right. So um they told me that they would be willing to ship it back to me and no at no cost so they did that and then it sat in customs again I don't know for a couple of weeks I just finally got it anyway long story short is I, I now have it I thought that I would the the level of knowledge and whatever else on this system would be quite um, there'd be a learning curve and there is but with the help of YouTube and a lot of very helpful people on the internet, I was able to etch my first logo or whatever in within hours. I mean, I had the machine plugged in and running. and it uh, I started etching things right away. So by the way, I've like I etched all kinds of shit in my shop. It's really fun to use. I still don't know everything about the machine, but what I'm learning is is that there is a way, there, this machine, if I were so inclined, is a very valuable machine to make money people have reached out all t- kinds of people oh I see you have a laser etcher can you laser you know can you do this can you do that so now my mind is thinking like uh in, in business sense what can i do with this thing you know what what's the next step with this thing uh and um also i had a friend reach out to me recently who wanted to cut some stuff out on my my plasma table and so you know i've got people asking me hey can i do business with you and, uh, and I ultimately say no to all of those requests. And, and here's the reason why my response to my friend who wanted to just come over, pop in for a minute and cut something on my plasma table, which, you know, that doesn't happen. You, you know, there's a lot of things that have to occur and take place in order for me to cut out a, a part. Uh, I just, my, my response was, look, the table's not for hire. You know, I, I prototype with that table. Does you know, this is what I do with it. And uh, you know, for me to take a half a day to draw up your part and then, you know, cut it out and, you know, get the steel and do all that. Um, you know, you'd have to pay me a lot of money to, to do those things for you. And even though you're my friend, I have to set a boundary with you and tell you like, Hey, this, this table's not for hire. There's companies out there, by the way, that will do this for you for a fee. You just Pull up and give them your files. Well, I don't have the file. So now he's telling me I don't have the file. I don't. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, man, you know, uh, I'm not. I'm. That's not the business I'm in. You know, my business is not. You know, renting out my table. Now, if I wanted it to be, there's tons of that work out there. You know, people making fire pits and cutting uh, custom signage and all of that, and including laser etching. And if I wanted to, I could take that time, I could shift my focus away from what I'm doing, away from the grinder business, away from knife making, away from content creation, and I could probably make a very good living at cutting out parts and laser etching them or or doing something along those lines. Is that my passion? Is that what I want to do with my life? Fuck no, it is not. That is not what I want to do. And I am in a unique position that, uh, that you know, my life has led me to where I am right now, that I can say no to those types of things because money does not dictate my decisions. <clears throat> so um, anyway, what I guess my point is of saying this is that if you decide that you have a business idea, that you want to do something with your time, that you want to make money with your time, or you want to focus and shift focus and take risks and start a business, I'm going to challenge you to think in this way. Don't look at it like, if I do X, I'm going to make Y dollars. Don't look at it like that. That's only one piece of the the part of this, one piece of this component. The first question you have to ask yourself is, when things are going really bad and I don't have anything and I'm, I'm struggling, Will I want to be doing this work? That's the question. So you have to ask yourself that. Uh, Do I want to stand at a laser etcher and just put parts in it, hit print, parts in it, print, parts in it? Do you want to do that all day long? Probably not. Do you want to cut parts out on a CNC plasma table? Probably not. What do you want to do with your time? I know what I want to do with my time, and it took a long time to achieve that level of understanding for myself i want to be somebody who inspires others that's step one i think i'm doing that i'd like my reach to be a little wider i'd like it to be bigger and step two i want to bring american manufacturing back i want us to start making things again in this country and and here's the reason why If we're making things in this country again, good quality things, right, good things, we will all thrive. We will all achieve bigger and better lives if we can bring American manufacturing back. I'm not one of those guys that's going to go, I won't buy anything unless it's made in America. Because you know what? If I bought this laser cutter in America and it was made here, it'd be like 20 grand, not five. I, the barrier for entry, that's impossible. I would just have to not do it. And then, you know, I could not achieve my goal. Well, what I can do is I can utilize these lower quality goods now, build an economy based around it, and then tell you that I did it, show you that I did it, and use that as a means to springboard your inspiration to do the same. Uh, Jeff, on the full Uh, full blast podcast was asking me what exactly are your feelings about these people who are copying your work and trying to do the exact same things you're doing my first question is my first statement on that is it annoys the shit out of me when people don't have their own original ideas there's not that many out there anymore if you have an idea you should at least change it enough so that it's not as recognizable but I do appreciate the fact that they're trying something and they're doing something with their time. There's so many people out there that are not, they're just flowing. They're on the lazy river, man. They got their, you know, they got their, their inflatable and they're just letting the river take them wherever they want. And that's okay too. That's not my path, yeah. but that's okay. Now, if I see these guys doing this and it's truly their passion and, and there's one guy in particular, by the way, his name is Richard Beck and it's his passion. I can fucking tell it's his passion. He's not doing it for the money. He's, I mean, of course, money is a part of it. He's, he wants to make side business. He wants to do his thing, but he truly loves making grinders and making forges and doing forge burners and all these things that he does. Uh, By the way, I'll plug his website. Um, I don't know exactly what it's called or the address, but if you just type in Beck's Armory, I think it's Beck's Armory LLC, you'll find him. Uh, He also has a YouTube channel and uh, Instagram. So people go, and for instance, this last week, uh, he's doing a giveaway, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to win one of his grinders. How cool would that be? Have ha- have his grinders next to my grinder. And then I wrote that in the thing, you know, and I'm like, I'm not joking. I want to win this thing. And all these people were writing in and they're like, are you kidding? Like, what the what's going on here? You, you, you make grinders. Why do you want one of his grinders? I want one of his grinders because I appreciate his path. And I want to see what he's doing with his stuff and i want to have i want to own a little piece of richard and i think that's you know that's a very uh like odd thing that i would want something from a competitor which quote unquote competitor richard and i collaborate all the time we're always talking about shit back and forth he sees it the same way i see it we rise up together some people are going to like his design over mine and vice versa i don't have any issue with that i think it's great he's doing it because he loves doing it. now There's people out there who have copied my work and have tried to achieve the things I've achieved and they have not been successful at it because the market is very smart. They know that these guys are in it for the quick buck and I call this the smash and grab. They look at my feed. They look at how many grinders I'm selling. They look at my YouTube uh, stuff where I talk about the sales and I talk about all that. And they go, I could do that. I have access to a laser cutter. I'm smart. I can do Fusion. I can do CAD. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compete with Brian. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to sell twice as many. Here's the thing. If you don't fully love it, but you just love the money, business now, and, and it probably was this way 20 years ago, but now it's even even more prevalent. People will sniff you out so fast that you're just doing it for the money and that will not go anywhere. You're not going to achieve the same level of greatness in your business that you would have if you would have just taken all of those concepts, used my my um, advice, my rhetoric, and then attributed it to whatever your passion is, whether it's knife making, gunsmithing, woodworking, you know, cabinet making, whatever it is. Take all the things I'm telling you, find that one thing that you can't stop thinking about, and take all of that advice and rhetoric and all that action and dump it into that and do that because I can only make in my lifetime, I'm only going to perfect probably five machines. That's all I can do. I'm not going to probably be able to do more than that. Hope maybe one day I'll have a staff and I'll be able to have on staff engineers and designers that'll be able to do this work or whatever. But my goal isn't always to sit here and generate uh, uh, commerce. My bigger goal, the, the true goal for me is to inspire you to find your passion, your purpose, and then take all of my ideas and concepts and apply it to that and then build your empire using me as a sort of a, as a mouthpiece, as an, an inspiration piece, whatever it might be. And achieve and go. And then in five years, come back to me and say, Brian, we did half a million in revenue this year because you pushed me to do it. And whatever you were doing or selling or making, that's arbitrary in my mind. I, I It was the fact that you heard and saw us doing it and then went, I can do that, too. So when somebody says, how do you feel about this guy copying your work? It's not black and white. I, I like it in some regards. I dislike it in others. And I dislike it mostly because I know it will fail if they're just trying to make money. If it's just a smash and grab situation. Hey, you might make 10 grand. More power to you. And then in three months, you're going to be gone. Instead, find that purpose and passion and turn 10 months or $10,000 into 10, 20, 30 years of a professional career and do that yeah. instead.
1: Making so. money. I'm I'm back. Hey, Ben, Ben is back, baby. (laughs) What up? Uh, Making money on the internet is easy, right? But building a career on the internet, whether it's selling things on the internet or uh, creating content on the internet or anything, you know, any of these things like that, uh, actually making a full-time job, earn a living, put diapers on your kid money. You know, yep. fucking YouTube money <laughs> takes uh, a whole different beast, right? And I, and I would, you know, kind of to your point, like I would agree, like anybody can make a few bucks on the internet it, it really ain't that flipping hard, you know?
0: Can um, I give you a window into why I decided to partner with you on this podcast? Because sure. I, I think yeah, you should I know, I that. think you should know this. Yeah. So you it. reached yeah. out, you reached out to me initially and said like, Hey man, I'm listening to your podcast. I really like it. Uh, yeah. and, and it was kind of a long message on Instagram. Yeah.
1: I have a hat Yeah. And
0: then I, uh, I'm a, I'm a brevity guy, as you know, I, I don't yeah. type that much, but so, uh, I, I saw what you were saying and then I went and looked into your feed. You know, I just looked at like a handful of your content mm-hmm. and then I looked at your followership and I looked at your, you know, in, uh, interactions with your, the people that you're on with. And, and I was like, man, almost instantaneously I knew you were going to be my co-host like before I even t- spoke with you, you know, <laughs> nice. because I could see that you did it and you loved doing it. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was there wasn't like a dollar attributed to it or a money thing or whatever. No. It was like, you really enjoyed it. Like you, you saw yeah. this work as work that you could probably do for free, you know? Yeah. And, um, right then and there, I had made, you know, I obviously still needed to, you know, have you on the show yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. vet you a little bit. Sure. Uh, but uh, that was the reason. And it was very clear, you know, and I think, by the way, yes. that's a big reason why you have all these these uh, uh, sponsorships, these people that are approaching yeah. you because Damn. they te- they can see the same thing I saw. And a lot mm-hmm. of and then the big reason why you see all the um, now the engagement on your feed from all the people who work with me they're doing the same thing. They're looking and going, Ben is a quality human being doing the things he loves doing. And he's fucking inspiring to watch. I so appreciate that, yeah, dude, that's the reason. Yeah. And so by the way, you and I, you know, the, the whole wood and steel thing, we're closer than you think in regards yeah. to what we do. It's just different materials. It's that kind of energy that you bring to the table that I appreciate. And I wouldn't want to give the audience the impression that I would partner with somebody on a project unless I fully believed in their ability to carry it out you know yeah fully yeah anyway.
1: yeah it, I I you're 100% right I I would and in fact I've I've thought about that you know um we often make it about more followers more followers more subscribers Quite literally, the only reason I want more of that is because I could have more interaction with people, right?
0: You (laughs) could inspire more people,
1: yeah. Yep, and now, and and it almost pisses me off that it's become all about, quote, engagement, right? That YouTube and Instagram now is measuring engagement and it's not measuring views and horseshit like that because now they're getting to the heart and fucking soul of why... The real people do it, right? And I, not yeah. real people, but you know, why a good number of us truly do it. We do it to build a community of people that are like minded, that are energized by change, that are energized by doing things. Um, and all of those uh, attributes that we seek out and try to inspire in people they're basing their algorithm on that now and it kind of pisses me off, you know?
0: Because it's their it's, only metric though that's how they figure this out. I mean, yep. you look at if you look is. at any of the true con- uh content creators out there, the early ones who really succeeded, oh. it was because of the amount of engagement. April Wilkerson is an excellent example of oh, that. Lord. If you look at anything she does, She's got massive engagement and, uh, now she's got a show on the history channel. I mean, it's, it's just, and and if you listen
1: to her, uh, you listen to her, tell her story, right. And, and listen to any of the big name makers, April, Jimmy, Bob Claggett, um, uh, What's his face? Um, from <laughs> Mythbusters. <laughs> I just Adam drew Savage. a blank on his damn name, Adam Savage. How do I draw a blank on his name of all freaking know, names? Right? But you listen to any of them, right? And and they will say, I almost guarantee it if you hear an interview with them, they'll say, I didn't really uh aspire to have a career on YouTube, it just kind of happened, yeah. right? It and, came naturally that, to them. Yeah, that is that to me is the sign that you are passionate enough about it to where you were doing it anyway, right? Yep, that's right. Today, in today's world, in the past, call it three to five years, right? It's become a thing to seek a career on YouTube, and yeah, five years ago that.
0: if you're you not know, truly passionate paper. about it, it's the yeah. same thing. You're, you're going to fizzle out because yep. it's a shit ton of work and, you know, people yep. are going to go, Oh, well, you know,
1: and people will see give through up. your, you know, your, uh, your false attempts to build community or, you know, yep. you become paper thin really quick. Oh um, dude,
0: you, you can sniff it out. And there's uh, by yep. the way, I'll say there's a few, I won't mention any names cause I'd never do this, but I, I have noticed that there's some YouTubers who are climbing up fast that are going to burn out because you can kind of tell they're burning the candle at both ends. They want it so bad, yeah. and you'll hear this. Claggett talks about this all the time. He's like, "Be careful what you wish for." You know, you get mm-hmm. you get to this point, and it becomes a monster. And if you don't truly love doing what you do, you're going to have a, a, a you know yeah. a pretty big existential crisis on your hands. Oh Lord, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, Oh you, God, like, look at all this money I'm making doing all this shit. And like, I hate it. It's like, I'm tied to yep. my phone and whatever. So, you know, boundaries are a good um, thing. Balance is a good thing. Climbing up slow is a good thing. You know, just yeah. do it.
1: Ben Ueda just said that Hopefully. I was listening uh, to, I was listening to the, what is their podcast? Modern maker podcast Just yes. before we started. Excellent. Started podcast. Today. Great show. Yeah, really is. Um, very similar people, you know, the three of them are yes, um, very design-focused, modern-focused, and it's kind of neat. Ben Ueda, to me, he is a fascinating man, you know? He really just like, is. You talk about somebody that knows enough to be damn dangerous in just about everything, that guy is it.
0: <laughs> I think the reason why that is the case is because he doesn't care if it's successful huh. or not. He knows yep. it will be successful. So, like, and, yeah. and there's very few people out there that have the talent and the drive that he has, and then and is able to walk into a room and then sell it to everyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's right? a
0: very very unique trait for a human being. And by the way, his sister's the same way. She just isn't the yeah. same. Like, she's not like Jess is not. As bi- I guess he's more business focused than she is. She's really good at it too. I don't know. They're, they're all good at it. It's like it's like a unique family of P- uh, the O'Hara brothers. By the way, it's same thing. It's same. Like these same. guys, all of them. They, you know, yep. when they get in a room, you start listening to all the things that they've all done. You're like, geez, Lord. man, so they could have a yep. reality show. By the way, not to change the subject, but there's this reality show. I think it's on Hulu called "Buried by the Bernards." I don't know if you've no. seen this. No. <laughs> oh. no. Oh, it's so good. It's like, if you can imagine, it's an African-American family who owns a funeral home. And I think it's like somewhere (laughs) in like Tennessee. That sounds
1: hilarious. Oh my
0: God. There's so many characters. It's reality TV and there's so many fucking great characters in there. If you're looking for something new to watch, buried by the Mm -hmm. Bernards. Nice. it's great oh it's great oh oh mm. i can't even tell you how great it is you <laughs> just got to go watch it it's so so good i think it's on hulu you can watch on hulu but anyway i, um, I had out. to interject that real quick but uh but okay no, so hey no listen ben wrapping up the show uh real quick i want to hear yeah, all about your first experience with the shop bot Oh, man. Because you've now awesome. cut shit. I've seen it now.
1: Oh, yeah. We're cutting shit now. Um, I made a... So, I, I carved a sign for my father-in-law's hunting camp. Okay. And um, so, they've got a nice property uh, back there in PA. That's the thing back there to have a hunt. You know, a hunting camp is... Oh, yeah. Everybody either has one or they go to one. Probably same in the Chicago area, right? Is this...
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Um, that... that eastern uh hunting scene is it's usually like land you,
0: you can't build on right it's like land that's like swampy or something and they yep. you know people buy it like in families they'll buy like five ten acres yes. and then they'll set up yeah and know.
1: sometimes you'll get families go together right um so the house that i grew up in the old farmhouse that i uh, basically grew up in um that used to be hunting camp at my for my stepdad, <laughs> and then when we moved down there, everybody got booted out. You know the hunting crew got booted out <laughs> one year, my parents had greenhouses uh growing up, and so they had big, huge you know hoop houses, and my mom would would grow and sell flowers and sure, so we'd spend winters in the at the beach we'd call it you know, like under the under the hoop house, but anyway, one year we had camp in the greenhouse. it was really pretty awesome, but Anyway, <laughs> carved a, uh, carved a sign for my father-in-law's hunting camp. And a lot of times folks will just V carve a sign, but I actually did a relief carving or, or like a profile carve. So, uh, removed all the material, whoops, except for the letters themselves and the other graphics that were on there.
0: Oh, and have, then we, have you we done actually... any reveals of the sign yet? Like the full reveal? Not yet. I just saw I the video a... of the tight shots.
1: Uh, did that, and then I had a story where I posted, like, the corner of it. We poured epoxy in the in the relief that was oh, carved. Cool. And uh, it's like this mixture of, like, a grayish mahogany with some, you know, uh, silvery, shiny flecks in it. it is, it's pretty cool. I got to yeah. run it through the drum sander today, and then that'll be... I, I was pissed because the epoxy didn't set up hard enough that night to where I could yeah. run it through the sander the next morning. Cause he was leaving. So oh, I'm going to have shit. to ship it yeah.
0: to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'll give you the very short synopsis of, um, s- similar to what we've been talking about. I was paralyzed by a fear of doing something wrong initially to an extent, sure. you know? And it's like, just start cutting things. That's all you got to do. Put a piece of wood on there and cut yeah. it. See what just happens. It you're not going yeah.
0: to so it. what I did with it. the laser, the laser atcher. Yeah. I, I just threw a yeah. saw blade down, an old saw blade, and just mm-hmm. started shooting laser beams at it.
1: And I think being, you know, being someone who likes to create content and likes to create meaningful and unique content, I was also sort of paralyzed by, well, I, I can't just cut my fucking name out. like yeah you can just (laughs) yes you can you should
0: (laughs) of course (laughs) you you should in fact that should be a rule (laughs) you do that right like
1: just cut shit literally cut shit (laughs) so get your yesterday you'll love this yesterday i designed and i'm going to try to cut at lunch today i'm going to try to cut um a new mic stand for podcasting.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. like And I it.
1: might, uh, I'll probably throw the, throw the plans or whatever the file uh, up on my, uh, up on my website. And actually speaking of, there is a shim, shim cutting jig on my website right now that folks can have if they'd
0: like. <laughs> uh, is it a, uh, is it a DXF file or something that you can use to cut out on your own uh, CNC it's router? Right now or what uh, is it? no it's just a pdf because it's so simple
1: um it's a really really dead simple jig but i have seen some people cutting shims you know for like installing a door or whatever you might need a wooden shim for i've seen some incredibly frightening cuts on table saws with people trying to cut shims and that's what struck me to You're go talk about like angled good.
0: angled shims like like uh yep. triangle shaped uh, very triangle long triangular shape, shape come
1: you know come to almost nothing at one end and maybe a Ooh, quarter of an inch yeah. at the other
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: frightening frightening, frightening shit and yeah yeah in fact my stepdad well maybe not the last time at the time before that he was out here damn near cut his fingers right off on my table yeah. saw cutting a really thin piece and and his brain just went oh i'll just touch that and move it out of the way oh, he literally no. touched the, he touched the blade Oof. and like literally took about the first four layers of skin off and that was, that it. was it but it was just, he's lucky I he didn't caught get pulled him. in Caught him doing it out of the corner of my eye, and right away I, yeah, I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, thing Holy thing shit. Away from that thing. <laughs> it's like, "What am I doing?"
0: <laughs> some days I, I'm surprised I still have all my digits. To be honest, I've Me done too. some stupid shit myself. But,
1: you do but, that mindless stuff <clears throat> when you spend a lot of time in the shop.
0: When you get too comfortable with your tools, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, yep, be yep. very friggin' careful. So
1: never uh, forget that. But yeah, starting to put some more plans out there on my site. So, but be a lot of freebies before i get to where i'm worthy of any kind of money so gotcha. stay tuned for that
0: fantastic well all right listen i'm gonna wrap uh, yeah. the show up oh, oh well you know i'm i'm really knee quick. deep and real quick i'm real knee deep in uh generation four uh release so uh, the gen three revolution grinder will go to bed in the next i think we've got maybe ten ten 10 kits left sell those off, and then we're yep. switching over to Gen uh, 4. So then uh, the I have decided, and in, in almost to my detriment, to completely revamp the plans for this. Because it, it, Gen yeah. 4 was such a change, uh, even from a fabrication standpoint, that Gen 3, the plan set, just could not be utilized. Some of it could, just most of it was not useful. So I, I junked all 60 pages of that. And then started Ooh, over, hurt. basically. It hurt. And that took me, th- yeah. to generate the 60 pages, by the way, took about three months. So, like, a, almost every day of work for three months. And then... Was that um,
1: three months uh, knowing something about Fusion? Or were you learning Fusion at the same time?
0: I didn't have Fusion at all then. I only knew okay. SketchUp, SketchUp. So, the original yeah. design was design in SketchUp. And I was terrible at SketchUp. So, you know, I was l- learning did the as I went.
1: manual conversions, metric and all
0: that? Manual oh, you're everything.
1: You're Manual are a saint.
0: everything and then screen grabbing, you know, screenshotting yeah. the pictures and then moving them over. What Fusion has now done is revolutionized that process, which is, you know, you make a change on the drawing, the 3D CAD drawing. It makes the change in the plan set. So it's Does it very cool
1: set generator like a page editor yes. kind
0: of thing it? it's called yeah. drawings yeah so you you literally nice. click on the part that you want to show off in and in whatever yeah. blueprint you right click on it and it says create drawing you, yep. you create that drawing it asks you how do you want that drawing uh, d- uh presented front back left right uh southeast nice. northeast blah 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 it'll draw I'm it
1: sold.
0: up oh dude and then you're like oh i want to show the dimension you hit the D key on your keyboard, and yeah. you click. You click all the dimensions you want to show, oh, and it calculates. Man. Then you say, oh, I want to show that dimension in imperial and metric. Click a little ticker box. Yeah, it toggle. does the conversion. So I can't really bitch Don't anymore about, you know, Craig. Now, if yeah. you can imagine taking that concept and and doing that over the course of this machine and then showing off how that works... Uh, it's been an awesome journey. It's just a lot of work. And then on yeah. top of that, of course, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I'm building a Gen 4.
1: Right. Uh, and, and the and video I'm, and everything and else. And I'm
0: taking mm. video of it and I, mm. I'm editing the video. The video is now over an hour long because it's a full build yeah. video. And, and by uh, the
1: way, it's not your, this isn't your full-time job no, either. No, right? no. Like this you is run a tech and, company. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is nights and weekends. And if I can get a w- yeah. over here, I do it during the day sometimes. And then- yeah. And then I come up with this grand idea to raffle this fucker off because I don't need this many grand. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm going to raffle off a Gen 4, full Gen 4 build. I don't know yet. (laughs) 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 I'm trying Um, to figure that out. I think what what we're going to do. Do you know how to uh, there, do this? Because I don't have any fucking idea.
1: There are some raffle. tools. Um, there are some tools for specifically for Instagram that you you basically go in and people will click a link on your in your Instagram profile. Okay. And then um, they can enter there. You know, it, it ties to Instagram. It also, if they follow you on Facebook, if they follow on YouTube, whatever okay. you want, right? You can okay. say. You have to follow me and follow Empire Abrasives and you'll get this sandpaper. Sure. Say if you're giving away Got sandpaper. Yeah. And it. then built into that uh app, there's a you you click a button, say pick a winner, it picks the winner for you and everything. So, yeah, I'll send you a couple links.
0: So this will be a paid raffle. So it's going to be you're gonna to have to buy uh, a ticket to. So I I need okay. to at least recoup because the the ship this thing just the shipping yep. in the U S in the continental U S is 500 bucks. So it's like it's expensive. Amen. So so I need to generate enough to cover the expense. So why don't you um, just
1: set up a PayPal account specifically just for that, and then any, anybody that's in there that put any kind of money in. I was
0: thinking that Shopify, who is my e-commerce back end thing, they may have something or I could just create an item and do variations inside of it that says, like, if you want to buy one ticket, it's 20 bucks or whatever, and then go on and on. So I I posted a video of me saying that I'm going to do this thing. And I said, you know, like, hey, just in the comments, uh, let me know if anybody would be interested in buying a raffle ticket. And on that post alone, there was a hundred and seventy some odd people who <laughs> right, said I'm in. Yeah. So I know that I've got a base oh, of people our that followers would. Are yeah, grand. so They're so amazing. Hundred and seventy people said they would do it. Fuck that was me, just man. on Facebook, by the way. There was right, more on Instagram right. too. So I don't even know because I don't count. You know, and we talk about this, but Instagram sucks. You can't tell how many comments; it's all fucking mixed yes. together or whatever. Oh, I hate um, it. I hate, hate it, it. <laughs> so. Uh, so we're gonna Dude, do a raffle. that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, awesome. but and by the way, the raffle is for a working functional grinder delivered to right. your house. Motor. It is motor, motor, everything. VFD, top Zooped end, everything. Enough. So yeah. yeah, and in fact, because I now have this fancy fucking laser at I'm gonna do something real cool on the side. Like I'm. Yeah. Gonna, when did
1: you get yeah, that, by the way? Yeah.
0: That's I, sick. I I tell the story while you went away, so you'll have no, to listen to I was the podcast. Dumping
1: the kids at the pool, and yeah, no, yeah. I was not taking a shit. I was <laughs> taking the kids
0: to school. There's a long story that goes along with it, but I find the, the last recording that you and I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. soon
0: as I clicked out of talking with you, I hear a truck pull up, and it was the the laser etcher. So they finally had nice. arrived. I had gotten a text message looking. that morning, but yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fucking cool. It's like crazy. Uh, I've
1: been looking at attachments for the shop, you know, just, uh, uh, they, they make some kits that are specific for shape. or X carves or other. Uh, I've not seen one specifically geared for the shopbot, but at the end of the day, as long as you can attach it to the damn, pl- there's a faceplate yep. on the fucking thing, you know, yeah, that, yeah. So I can figure out how to cut something for that. So I, eventually i'll end up with one i i just kind of know i will but <laughs>
0: Uh, it is yet. it is a thing i paid for this one i, I mean yep. it's cool as I'm shit i'm willing though. to as well yeah yeah it's cool as shit but yeah there's a whole um, story if you listen back to the podcast yeah, and when you were, out will. it'll and you can I hear will. the whole fucking story but it's great listen yeah. ben i gotta run i gotta get back to work yeah, i know you do too so anyway i appreciate everyone who listens to the work for It podcast yeah. if you could like and share and follow and do all of those things and also if you see us on social media make sure you give us a wave and a high five we Ooh, do yeah. now have patreons Patreo. who are funding the back end of our uh our program software that we have amazing we are not quite to our goal yet so if you want to uh participate in getting us to our goal of uh, 40 Six bucks patreons. a month make sure that you go to our patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash work for it and you can donate uh one as little as one dollar it'll all help and you can put us on Ooh. the map and we can uh get uh get uh, right up there with uh you know, everyone else who's uh being successful with us. So go Patreon ahead.
1: Patreon tip Patreon tip, if you don't like our one, five or ten dollar a month, you can put your own number in there. Oh no kidding. Uh, Patreon will let you do that. At least that's what I've been told and what I heard now yeah. on two different podcasts so if you want to put you know five hundred
0: dollars a month they could do yeah, $100 it's a hundred dollars
1: cool month. Yeah. <laughs> go for it
0: i don't know anybody that will do that but yeah you know hey, hey you just never, <laughs> why never, not right? <laughs> and uh, as always our sponsors thank you so much to empire braces there's links down in the, yeah. the show notes uh we've got empire braces we've got um iso and uh i don't know we've got other sponsors <laughs> i right? remember now i'm too uh, old
1: iso empire abrasives and who else one more. oh
0: uh key nutrients the 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 key hydration nutrients. drinks yeah key nutrients sorry about that uh key nutrients hydration drink which by the way i drink every day multiple times a day and i love it if you're um, a hydration guy you're working as a blacksmith in your shop or you're on your feet a lot this is a, a drink or that you, you mix into water <laughs> yeah, well, that's good because you're flushing your toxins. You want it. You want to make sure you're getting you all get that it stuff. Out of there. There. So get those electrolytes. Yeah. It's got electrolytes. A full show. This
1: stuff's off. good for you.
0: Yeah, man. All right, Benjamin, I gotta go. I gotta go work. All right, man. Later, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. And as always, you got to work for work it, baby.
1: For it.
0: Woo. Adios. Later.